0: So today is the 6th of July, 2021, and today I wish to speak on the topic of effort, of setting one's heart on the practice, being intent in the practice. And if we practice without ceasing, then we will progress. This is a statement that Lung Pu Cha would say, if one practices without ceasing, then one will progress on the path then one will be able to make it on the path. So we practice dhamma, and we experience uh, agitation and chaos in the mind as well. If there's a day when the samadhi is good and stable, then the mind and body are light and at ease, and the mind feels like it goes up to heaven. But then another day, the mind lacks mindfulness, the samadhi is no good at all, The wisdom isn't any good, it's just kilesa, defilement arising. And then it's like the mind falls into hell. So we see this in our own minds. This falling into hell and rising into heaven happens just like this. So we call this chaos and agitation. So we meditate and we can realize peacefulness in samadhi. But to make our minds peaceful, it's not easy. Even for those who have gone forth for monastics, it's not easy for them either. But it's not beyond our capability. It's not beyond our intention and effort. And the great teacher that we respect the highest, Nung Pu Cha, Nung Pu Cha taught that we practice Dhamma and we keep practicing and we keep doubting as well. But someone doing this, they'll progress all the same. Progress on the path, they can make it on the path. And some dhamma practitioners doubt about everything, about all, every angle, and all the various aspects of the practice. They doubt about it, but if they practice without ceasing, then they can progress as well. Have effort, and there's the merit and parami of lumbu cha, taking care and looking after. Uh, these dhamma practitioners. So for beings with a human mind, or the, pāramī me, of, in merit of Lumpu cha, by taking care and looking after beings, can help their minds to receive samadhi and wisdom, to be able to enter their minds. This is uh, a benefit of being close to a wise person, close to Lumpucha. And if one doesn't listen to the wise person or one doesn't have a wise teacher, it can be very difficult. One believes in one's own thoughts and views. One's lost in one's own views. This gives rise to a sense of self and uh, views. And one thinks that one's own thoughts are correct and one doesn't listen to the great teacher. In the beginning, it can be like this. We may meditate and then realize a degree of collectedness, a degree of samadhi. And the mind and body feel cool and at ease. We start to have energy in our minds. And then the Kruhbhajan, the great teacher, teaches to contemplate the body. But deep in the heart, one may feel like, hey, if the mind is peaceful like this, I could just contemplate the mind and then just go right ahead and succeed dharahan and just go for it. But the teacher, the great teacher, teaches to contemplate the body. Because the place where we're lost, the place where we cling, is right here with the body, clinging to it as self, clinging to it as beautiful, thinking that the body is permanent, thinking that it's a a heap of pleasure. And there is pleasure, but this pleasure is temporary. We call it a kama a pleasure of the senses. And this sensual pleasure is a temporary pleasure. But there's also the drawbacks of sensuality, which also exist. Because we experience pleasure, and this is something that happens, but there are drawbacks even more. The drawbacks are very, very high. And this is what the Buddha taught that it's a little bit of pleasure, but a lot of pain. A little bit of happiness, but a lot of suffering. So the pleasure and happiness is just a little bit, but the suffering and torturous nature is, is a lot. So we can see that that which we're attracted to, that which we like, are the six senses and their objects, the body, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, and the mind. And so the mind clings to all these objects of the six senses. So therefore we use our meditation word and we practice meditation, bring our mind to peace to contemplate the body. Nupu Cha would try to pull his disciples in the right direction to contemplate the body to not be lost in the body. and Chah's teaching was very short, very easy, very brief, uh, very clear. So if we respect him, then we would follow it. And I did hold him in the highest respect, but the kilesas in the heart wanted to fight back a bit and to tell me, oh, just contemplate the mind and succeed right there. And this is because I had read in the scriptures that one with uh, coarse wisdom will contemplate the mind, one with subtle wisdom will contemplate dhammas, to see everything as Dhamma, whether greed, aversion, delusion, uh, the sense of self, me, mine, you, yours, them and theirs, see it all as Dhamma, there really there's no self there to be found. And even the sense of self for the Kilesas of others to see this all as Dhamma. There was one Jan Lungpu Tongrat. There was one elderly woman who wouldn't give alms to the monks on alms round. But Lungpu Tongrat wanted her to practice giving alms. So he would stand there and she would prepare the rice and eventually she would give alms. But he didn't eat the rice that she offered. like He just wanted to teach her to practice generosity, to make merit, to be part of the Group of practitioners. But habitually she wouldn't give alms to the monks on alms round. Even sometimes people would criticize Tongrat, and he bowed down to them. He bowed down to the Dhamma. He said that the Dhamma has arisen. So this mood of anger having arisen, or the mood of greed having arisen, or delusion having arisen, it's all dhamma. He said that it's all dhamma. This is because his heart is dhamma already. But if we don't have wisdom to this level, if we don't have firmly established collectedness in the mind, then to see things as dhamma is difficult because the sense of self arises first. We can ask, oh, why is this? It's because the mind is stuck, clinging to form materiality. It's lost in materiality. It sees the self in form, or the forms in self. It sees that form as beautiful. That form is a heap of permanence and pleasure. So we should contemplate this right here. Lumbu taught to contemplate this point. So take this and contemplate it. You don't have to look far. It's the same as a doctor treating an illness. The doctor will inspect the patient and then give this or that medicine. He would give a medicine or give an injection or uh, look with an x-ray because the doctor needs to analyze and study the condition first. So for ourselves, we should research and analyze, well, what is it that we like? What are we attracted to? Or how does this sukha vedana, this pleasurable feeling, arise? How does a painful feeling arise? And see that it's all in the body. Right, in the body, this is where a sense of self clings. This is where we cling to things as self. So we should ask, Was the self in the hair and the nails and the teeth and the skin and the bones? in the blood, in the liver, the lungs, the kidney, or the stomach. Which one of these is me or mine? Which one is the self? Is the spleen me or mine? Is it self? None of these body parts say that they're me or mine or self. Have these body parts ever answered before and said, yes, they're self? So ask each of these different parts of the body. Or look at the in-and-out breath, the air element or the fire element in the body, or the water element in the body, which is mine, which is me. None of these things have ever said it, that it's me, it's mine. It's never answered this way. It's just this mind that says it's me or mine, that itself. But this is not the way it is. This is not the truth. This comes from delusion teaching the mind to give rise to this view. And this gives rise to suffering. So to say it in an easy way, in a simple way, we use wisdom to contemplate this point, that there's no self there, it's not me or mine. And understanding this, the mind gives rise to Buddha, the awakened one, because the mind sees that everything is empty. And on a daily basis, we don't see emptiness because we're always seeing things in terms of self in terms of me or mine, you are yours. And in the Anapanasati Sutta, the sutta on the mindfulness of breathing, we see that the conclusion is that it's just vedana, it's just the breath, where we can contemplate the body, the mind, or dhammas, and see that each of these are just as they are. The body is just the body. Feelings are just feelings. Mind is just the mind. Dhammas are just dhammas. There's no self, uh, me, or mine. You are yours to be found. This is the mind that's liberated and free. Because every person in the world likes liberation, likes freedom, and likes equality, likes everything to be equal. So one may think, having been born, why is it that beings are not equal? Well, you can ask, well, Do all beings have old age? Do they all have sickness? Do they all have death? So we see that all beings are the same in this way. All beings that have clinging and attachment all have suffering all the same. So we see that it is equal and we all have this desire for freedom. So we need to bring our minds to peacefulness in order to understand this clearly. And we're living in a Buddhist country, a country with the Buddha Sasana. Thailand has had great kings to look after and take care of the Buddha Sasana for a very long time now, since ancient times. And these kings have cared and protected and cherished the Buddha Sasana, the teachings of the Buddha, this great treasure of the Buddhist dispensation. And the kings have upheld, uh, promoted, protected and supported the Buddhist dispensation continuously all the time. And this has happened all the way up until the present day. We can see that the present king supports the Buddhist religion in all ways, in all aspects. He practices meditation, bringing his mind to collectedness. He listens to Dhamma. He listens to the suttas. He is interested in Dhamma to a high degree. So this is a merit of the people in Thai society. So for ourselves, we practice Dhamma, we practice meditation, we train our minds to be collected and unified, and we really make a sincere effort, put a lot of effort into our meditation. It's not that we just practice a little bit here and there, just practice temporarily and not continuously but we practice evenly and continuously. We walk and sit meditation. We do this in a continuous and connected way. We really persevere, give rise to the quality of virya, of effort. We persevere with this. We do this all the time in an ongoing way. We really persevere to make our practice continuous, uh, connected, and to do it like this. And so if we practice this way, then how is it? Well, samadhi arises, wisdom arises, with virtue as a foundation. This virtue, which is very important, this virtue is a very important starting point because it's the cause for samadhi to arise. Then samadhi being established then gives rise to wisdom. So it's all linked and connected like this. Therefore we have a very good fortune to have met with the Buddhist religion and to receive support and goodness from uh, the Thai king. We can say that we're, we're all connected in the great awakened shade of the Buddha Sasana that the king supports. So therefore we put forth effort, and for the Sangha as well, they put forth effort the laity, put forth effort into their practice. So this is a very good opportunity, a very good chance we have. And this is something that is more valuable than all external things, much more valuable, because this gem of the Buddha, the gem of the Dhamma, the gem of the Sangha are incomparable in value. So if we see this, if we understand this, this gives rise to faith, And our mind can change from being a mind with thick defilements to being one with virtue and dhamma, to being a beautiful being. And then later on, one can realize being a noble being. This is because one sees the truth of dhamma, the truth that everything is empty. So may you practice continuously and connectedly to give rise to firmly established faith and to give rise to wisdom.